Hey everybody, this is James and Marco and Nabil, and this is the Movie Pals Podcast, Episode 4. We're going to go over quite a few movies actually today, so we're going to start out with what we're watching. Uh, news is pretty light today. Uh, we do have a pretty cool topic, and then we're going to be reviewing two different kind of movies. We have the horror film Annabelle Creation and the comedy The Hitman's Bodyguard. And then after that, we of course, we'll go over what we will talk about next. Hey, what you watching? So, Marco. What's up? What are you watching? Uh, let's see. Lately, what have I been watching? Um, I know everyone's been watching Game of Thrones, so I've been keeping up to date with that. I'm going to keep this spoiler free, but it's getting pretty intense. Pretty um, epic episode. Yeah, if you haven't seen the latest episode, you need to... Put this episode on pause and go watch it right now. That's all I'm going to say. As long as you watch the show, of course. Yeah, as long as you watch the show. If you're up to date, you need to watch the... And you haven't seen the new episode, go watch it right now. Um, Rick and Morty, although I haven't watched the, the new episode. I think the last one I saw was the Vindicators episode, which uh, nearly killed me within the first five minutes of that episode. That's, That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was dying. And I got to tell you, season three of Rick and Morty is outdoing itself i know the creators said that they weren't gonna pull punches they were just gonna make it one of the most ridiculous funniest seasons of the series and i think that they have kept their word it's it's been it's been an incredible journey so far with that yeah. show i like that they've been keeping it with a more uh set story arc you know like they did with the other ones there was an overbearing story but this is very Direct from the last episode to the next, they they've got a, a whole little storyline going on, and it's pretty hilarious. With, yeah, with the family's divorce, I, I like that. It's unlike the previous seasons where you could kind of see them out of order. This one, you kind of have to keep up and and watch them in their uh, release date because they mention things from previous episodes, or like you said, it's the continued arc. So. Yeah, I like that too. It makes it more enjoyable. Um, I know I mentioned this other show uh, previously in an episode, but I finally finished El Chapo, and I know, <laughs> which is the show that it's follows <laughs> uh, Joaquin Guzman, who is the drug lord El Chapo. And last time I mentioned this, I know that I said that it was kind of a slow build up to his character and to uh, his his infamy. But I recently discovered that there's multiple seasons to the show now. They released a second season on Univision. So that explains... On, on what network? Univision. <laughs> okay, so basically, Bill and I are probably not going to catch this one. <laughs> no, not until it's released on Netflix. Because yeah. that's where I'm watching the first season. Um, the character development is, is pretty good. You get to see a lot of what the character of El Chapo goes through while he's Isn't it in, in crazy prison. they made a show on El Chapo as the guy is still like alive and yeah might even escape but again. it's like a younger El Chapo right yeah right. no but they, they, they've I'm, done that before though I'm saying like didn't did you say last time they don't super glorify him right or do they 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 don't then and that's still sort of my issue is yeah. I'm thinking so in the second season is that when when he rolls up the sleeves and starts really flexing because I feel like the biggest difference, and I'm again, I'm comparing this show to uh, Narcos on Netflix, and one of the major differences is 
you don't mess with Pablo Escobar in Narcos. If you push on him, he'll push back tenfold. And in El Chapo, again, I, I feel like El Chapo is the one. Now I'm talking about the character El Chapo in the show, not not the real El Chapo. So I, I don't want to end up dead in an alley. <laughs> but um, in the show, the character tries to push back on his enemies. And it, it feels like they just deflect it like it's nothing. Like he has no real power. Like his money doesn't get him anywhere versus... Pablo Escobar, where he just throws money everywhere and he gets what he wants and nobody fucks with this guy. And I I don't get that sense with El Chapo in in the show and it he maybe doesn't he, seem maybe, as is he, fearsome. Is he eventually gonna maybe become that character? That's what I'm that's what I'm hoping to do yeah. in excuse me, in the second season because again, like I've mentioned before, what you hear, the stories, the fact that he's responsible for, you know, multiple killings hits, what have you, that's not really reflected in the show. And it sort of left me curious as to, well, is, is this showing that he, he really isn't responsible for all that? Because from what I've seen, and this is my opinion, from what I've seen in the show, a lot of the killings, yeah, him and his cartel are responsible for, but some were people in the line of fire because of third parties coming in and coincidentally being in this other firefight and multiple victims happen to be the consequence, and it all gets pinned on him. Not saying that he's innocent from any bloodshed in the show, but at the same time, it seems like the, the legend sort of grew based off all these all, all these crimes just being pinned on him. So, so what you're saying is that he's a drug dealer with humble beginnings, and you know he was just <laughs> pulled up the bootstraps and just tried to make his That's way what to I mean. the drug. Like, yeah, yeah. Are they yeah, trying, yeah. To, are they trying to make you, it sound? You just nailed the episode that the, the last episode uh, of the first season, and that's exactly what happens. It's not like, are they trying to make it like, hey, look, this he was normal just like us. So is he like the uh, Breaking Bad version, Mexican version of Breaking Bad, and just kind of like starts humble beginnings, and all of a sudden. You know, he just gets a little too powerful. Or and he liked it too much. <laughs> liked it too much. Okay, uh, I, I wouldn't really just push it. I wouldn't push it that far. Um, and, of course, lastly, what I've been watching is Marvel's The Defenders on Netflix. Oh, you started. Very nice. I'm three episodes in, and I'm enjoying it for the most part. It's sort of a, a slow burn start with the first episode, but in my opinion, once you get to the third one, it's definitely worth it. Um, I'm liking the characters so far. The story's pretty intriguing. The action is fast-paced, which I like. Um, and they're doing a pretty good job at blending all these characters into, like, one one show. And I just gotta say, the third episode has probably, like, for me, like, a really kind of, like, gut-wrenching scene that I was like, oh, okay. They're doing really good with the, with the story and with the acting from what I've witnessed so far. Um, and the cinematography is great in this. They do some like really good angles with the camera. Good shots. That's good. Yeah. So it all kind of melts together well with the whole team building, essentially. Because they all essentially are strangers for the most part. Yeah. Um, it goes a little fast as far as how they're all knitted together. But it, it makes sense for, for the story. Uh, and this is again, this is just based off the first three episodes. And I've been waiting for this like for a while as i'm sure we all have at this table um so maybe i'm like slightly biased with my opinion but fuck i'm enjoying it so far well james you've been uh watching it too right you just started defenders yeah um 
Before I get into that, I, I had a binge watch uh, Iron Fist. So. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, every two weeks, if I don't watch 10 to 12 episodes of a show, I start forgetting who I am. So <laughs> I was like, ground you. what could I do Shit. today? No, um, I, yeah, I finished Iron Fist first off. And I gotta say, I, I, I like that show a lot. It's not bad, huh? It's not just bad. I think that's the second best show. Wow. That's crazy. Bold statement, mm, that's, right? Yeah, that's pretty bold. This Ooh. is this is James's opinion, by the <laughs> yeah. way. Bold move. I'm Ryan. halfway through that show and I completely disagree. <laughs> so I gotta say, after episode five, that show becomes really interesting. I'll I'll agree with you there. I'll like, say character? I'll say it's it's a different well not a different show. It get it definitely gets better after that and and it becomes something that's watchable and entertaining I, yeah because my whole thing is that these shows there's like I've t- i told you guys you know before pod two that they all have really glaring weaknesses and i think like the weaknesses outweighed on this one and i know i'm in the minority obviously because a lot of people shit on this show and people are like oh you don't need to watch iron fist and just go straight to defenders and it's like man mm. uh i felt like the action was really well done after episode five like the really is picks up really good in uh, Iron Fist. I'll give you that. I, I, I you know what? And even if you don't like Danny that much, I really like the supporting cast. Like the girl that plays Colleen, his girlfriend, is like really cool. Yeah, I think yeah. she almost like holds her own. And then you have Rosario Dawson coming back too. And like all three, when they all three kind of start combining on each episode, it's those three going forward. I think that's where the series gets way better. I agree too. Because I, there's I, still, like you said too, the there's subplots too that are just. <laughs> <laughs> Probably stupid that involve like the brother and sister and the dad. That whole little triangle is kind of I don't want to spoil it, that's why. I, I think yeah. I think I agree <laughs> with you where, where Danny's character becomes more interesting as he has other characters around him like uh Colleen Wing and actually I don't, I don't know if I got her last name right. And also um Rosario Dawson's character, who I'm blanking on. She's but, not night nurse, she's someone else. No, she's, she's no she's no longer in her spoiler alert. Yeah. But um and uh, I think Claire, I think, Claire, yeah, and I think it's because the the guy who plays Danny Rand does a, does a good job playing the character that they give you in the series. But Danny Rand as a character, he does he makes these decisions, and sometimes he says these things where I'm like, dude, I'm yeah, gonna, no, no, I'm I gonna agree. slap I agree. you right now. But man. the thing is, my whole thing with that though is that I still would rather see that than the terrible second half of Luke Cage, or I hate Jessica Jones, like that was terrible. I actually, I, I, actually I, like Jessica Jones a lot too. Like I said, my, that could have been three episodes. My one, well, my one complaint with Jessica Jones was that they, I Still felt they could have done a lot better, man, with with her. They, some of the subplots didn't have good payoff. Yes, that was a problem because they introduced something and then all of a sudden it, it fell off. Yeah, and it was like, what was the point of even doing that? You guys didn't, you guys don't know where you were going with things, it, man. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I felt it was. I felt it was good. I like I like Jessica Jones. Uh, then I went off the deep end and started seeing some weird movies. <laughs> oh my god! I went and saw I no horrors, watched, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, I, I saw Resident Evil: The Final Chapter. Oh, did that was it a satisfying climax to all <laughs> 132 movies that they made for this? <laughs> no, that movie is terrible. It is so bad. Isn't it the second best rated one though? It's oh no, is it the best, best rated, rated one? one? It's the best rated At 35% one. on Rotten Tomatoes, it's the best rated one. Ugh, same a lot. But wow. see, that's weird because I, I actually liked Resident Evil Extinction. Yeah, that was really good. It wasn't really good, but I well, mean... Well, for the series, it when was they one hit, of the When they ones. hit such a low bar, it's like anything at this point, like, hey, if they start acting decently, I'm going to like this film. But as two people who I know have played the video game series, 
Like it, it's hard for me to understand you guys liking I, that series. No, I mm. would I would say you need to look at it as though it's a original story. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, outside of the overarching elements of the game itself, there is really no connection. It, it's an original story that is just levels upon levels below the game. Mm, I don't no think pun intended. Well, the game fell far away yeah, after a while I'm like, too. I don't think the game exactly has a award winning plot at this point. It's way better than what I see in the movies. Have you seen all the movies? I think I stopped after the second one. Okay, uh, that's... No, is the second one the one with, with, with Nemesis? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I stopped after Nemesis. Okay, that's what we're talking about. After that, they get progressively actually better. Yeah. The third oh, and fourth movie are actually know. not bad. But once again, let's hit the bar low. It's <laughs> kind of crazy because the movie's been out... What is this, the sixth or seventh one? This is the seventh one, I think. It was the last one. Jesus. Uh, so it's been 14 years, like, this whole franchise... And yeah, it's time for that one to end. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad, glad it did finally end. Yeah, it didn't even need this movie. Truthfully, like the storyline is super plain. It's all over the place at times, and when, and I don't want to explain anymore that movie. To anyone. I, just, I, just like, didn't, I didn't like her character. If you guys period. don't know what Resident Evil is, it's basically zombies, and it's this. The movie itself is all over the it place. It becomes a whole different thing from zombies, though. They, they it's it's like an apocalypse yeah. happens pretty much because of a virus, and then. Mila Jovovich is the main character of Alice, and and she really gives it her. She all, actually does though. Terrible. I will say like this she much: as she can, she seems like she actually enjoys doing those movies. Yeah. because her husband is a director. She actually is one of the, probably the highlights of that series, especially action wise as a heroine. She does really well. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, outside of you know the CG is terrible and the storylines are <laughs> off, but you know, yeah, I wouldn't really recommend that one to anyone to watch. So. <laughs> Uh, then I went uh, even deeper down the rabbit hole, and then I watched a movie called Song to Song. That one kind of fucked me up. <laughs> uh, again, uh, I had like a one-on-one talk with Mark last night about life and shit. I don't know, man. It got weird. J- James, uh, again, he likes to torture himself. So Not even. It's not torture. First off, so Song to Song is a movie directed by Terrence Malick, who might be a genius. Maybe. I think he is. He's like an auteur. I don't think I've seen any of his movies. Oh my goodness. So he did Days of Heaven, um, Thin Red Line, New World, Trio Life. He from from a for, for me, from the films that I've seen of his, from a cinematic standpoint, like just his visuals and how he's able to do it from paper to screen, just how he makes those his shots are just amazing. Like you could just watch that I, and think it's I like will a tell you right now, some of the shots in this film are some of the most beautiful shots I've ever seen in my entire life that could almost bring tears to my eyes. Like, that's how... Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, that's pretty deep. Yeah, it's, like, it's that sounds really deep, good. and that sounds super like, ooh, this guy doesn't sound right. But this film, he, he's used the same cinematographer for, like, the last eight films he's done or something like that. Five or six films, sorry, not eight films. But this is, like, an Academy Award-winning cinematographer, and some of the shots mixed with the music he has is just fantastic. So... A lot of these, his last three films have been films that were made with no script at all. So that's where I'm going to lose like 95% of you guys. Um, <laughs> truthfully, no, it really is. It's like you have to decipher the film for yourself. So his last three films, he did To the Wonder, which was in 2012. That was with Ben Affleck. Uh, then he did Night of Cups in 2015 with Christian Bale. And then he did one this year, Song to Song, which stars Michael Fassbender, Ryan Gosling, Rooney Mara, and then uh, Natalie Portman. 
That's an all-star and cast. And Kate Blanchett is also in it, too. Even wow. Val, even Val Kilmer shows up. <laughs> no way. So the thing is, this guy shoots films like he just has them in a room or in a scene, and then he tells them, like, this is what you need to get the point across. And he just lets them do it. Like, Ryan Gosling even said it was really weird because there's no script at all. So it's just them talking, like, really talking, talking. Which, to some people, I guess, is you have to be a pretty good actor to be normal, I guess. Right? <laughs> so at least be you, convincing that you're being normal. Yeah, yeah. you have to be good at improv yeah. to, oh, to do like, that. Definitely. Like, so this thing was shot back in 2012. The fact that it's coming out this year shows you how it was. This was shot in 2012. Yeah, he that did I this did before La La Land. Wow. So Ryan Gosling's a young man. So it also, the original cut of this film was eight hours long. So oh my gosh. They cut it down to two hours. Uh, Terrence Malick, the director, is known for shooting like entire movies and then cutting someone out entirely from the film. And then we just never, like, they do, like, months of shooting and they just aren't in it. He's That's famous crazy. for that, for, like, Thin Red Line. Like, George Clooney's roles got cut so much. And, um, <laughs> that's the only reason. <laughs> you know, that's Bill likes that film. He's like, I love George Clooney, bro. That's the only movie of his uh, that I've heard of, is The Thin Red Line. Which I know James has been trying to get me to watch for a while because he's mentioned it to me before. And, I, and one thing I, I will say is when, when you praise a movie like that much i know it, it actually has some clout to it because there are some recommendations that you've given me that end up being like wow this is a fantastic movie so and i don't I'll, disagree I'll at all like it. terrence malick has made some amazing movies it's just not for um, it's not for everyone it's yeah. yeah it's not for everybody who just wants to see a popcorn flick it's not that kind of movie you at all. literally have to almost do research on the movie to find out what you're watching that's this is a movie right. that you're going to envelop yourself in and you really need to pay attention and it will make you, as James did apparently last night, think about life and have to have a big introspective about everything you've done in your life and why you've come to where you are now. Because technically the movie, okay, the movie, I haven't even talked about what it's Jesus. about. Like, we're just talking about what it meant, meant to me. But, like, Rudy Mara is, like, a songwriter that hooks up with her boss, who's played by Michael Fassbender, but then she falls in love with another songwriter named bv that's his name swear to god they barely use names in here so like this is just on imdb so who's ryan gosling and then she falls in love but then there's like a love triangle between the three and then it's it, from there it's like figure it out <laughs> and it's a lot of like voiceovers um it's a lot of just shots of them just standing around or walking or driving it, it's really a unique kind of film but it is not for everyone it's one of those movies where like put your phone away like just take it in make sure you put it on a nice screen very oh man the music is really well done too it just works so well like i'm even thinking about it now and even though i shit on it yesterday when i wrote a little mini review because there's parts of it that slow down obviously and i was like ah, eh, it's you know once again not for everyone yeah you gave it like it's three and a half stars i gave it like three it's like a three out of five but i still would recommend you guys at least to watch it well nabil is gonna watch it i guess he's yeah he's bringing that bad boy in um <laughs> And then for my final movie, guys, I went and saw Wind River yesterday. And that movie is absolutely fantastic. So uh, Wind River is directed by the writer of Sicario and Hell or High Water, which came out last year. Two great movies, yeah. Which I, I wasn't too big on Sicario, but I think with future views of that film, I'll probably enjoy it more, cause, especially because the sequel's coming out. Anyway, so Wind River stars Jeremy Renner and... Um, one of the Olsen kids. What's her name? Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. Yes, thank you. She plays the uh, FBI agent. But uh, it takes place in Wyoming, and uh, it's about on an Indian reserve where a young girl is found raped and killed. 
and Jeremy Renner is a he's like a hunter that shoots down animals and he finds the body and then they he works with the FBI agent played by Elizabeth Olsen that comes in to try to find out what's going on and uh, they work with the local Indian police or Native American police and try to find out it's a murder mystery basically it's really well done and also makes me never want to go to Wyoming because <laughs> it looks pretty bleak out there. Plenty there's like there's some action sequences, but it's mostly kind of about how places can change people. That's like the overall meaning, I think. About kind of like how the place itself represents people. I don't want to. This is really spoilery. Like I, I'm like, and the killer is. <laughs> but um, really well done. If you like a nice, not a nice. It's pretty brutal. Like a really good murder mystery film, it's a really good movie. I highly recommend it. It's in limited release right now, but they uh, check your local listings. Wind River, it's in theaters right now. Check it out. Yeah, I remember seeing a trailer for it, but um, I ever since then I've forgotten it's about pretty, it. It's pretty up until you mentioned it's it. It's definitely not a pick me upper. <laughs> it's one of those films that's pretty depressing. Like had a rough weekend, haven't you, James? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably that, and then yeah, song to song, and I was like. I need to talk to someone. Yeah, anyways, what have you been watching, Bill? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll keep mine a little short here. <laughs> Pick us up here a little bit. Um, I saw, uh, I've been watching a, an HBO series uh, called Room 104. It's basically, uh, it's in the guise of American Horror Story, where every season they have a you know, different theme, right? It's a whole different theme in American Horror Story. Oh, really? Well, with Room 104, it's every episode, but it all takes place in this one hotel room. Oh, and cool. it could be you don't know what you'll get each episode one episode might be like a pure horror another one might be a thriller another one might be a comedy um for example the first episode was more kind of horror guys um where there was a babysitter watching um, a child and the child had an alter ego maybe we're not sure um oh, but creepy. he'd be really good <laughs> oh, and then he'd go to the bathroom and come out and he'd be batshit crazy so, um, and so it, he was a kid, he was a kid That's the whole good. time, yeah. <laughs> um, another episode shows, um, an instance of kind of like a sexual assault, <laughs> got really rough for a second. So, it's so it ladies goes and gentlemen, up and down. we're right back at it, yeah. So, <laughs> the show goes up and down, um, but it's very interesting because it's just 22 minutes, very short. Um, and each episode's a little different, but it still all takes place in this one room. And it's directed by um, the Duplass brothers. It's uh, Mark and Jay Duplass. They, I don't know if you've really heard of them. They've done uh, other small HBO shows like Togetherness or um, Animals, which I've watched. It's like a little animated show where they just show like animals, but they're they're like in the guise of people. Like if we were <laughs> doing something together, hanging out in a, a living room, talking about random nothing, but we'd be cats. That's <laughs> it's like a podcast from right. cats. Yeah, cats. So that's, that's so they did that, and so that that was on HBO for a little bit, and so they've basically been given rights to say, "Hey, do whatever you want, um, just don't spend that much money." Is what HBO told them. So <laughs> that's essentially what they're doing, and it's all just based in the room. And they're not spending that much money, and it works pretty well. I mean, they had one episode with uh, randomly James Vanderbeek was in it, so that's interesting. I, I've, yeah, I've seen trailers for that too, and I've been I, I added it to my watch list on my HBO app, so I might check it out. Yeah, if you're looking for something quick to watch, um, and you know want to see something different, how I long are each uh, episode? Twenty two minutes. Oh, short. that's super yeah, short. They're really short, um, and they can get like I said, pretty creepy, but also they're you know, it's you just don't know what to expect each episode. I think there are four episodes in now, um, and each one has been uh, 
but pretty good. So the writing's pretty good. Yeah, writing's well. Yeah. Okay. On top of that, I just watched um, Hidden Figures. I know. I think. Have you seen that as well, Mark? I don't know. Did yeah. you see yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. They, they wouldn't have made it to the moon with that other guy. Yeah. Those, those ladies. Yeah, yeah, those ladies really saved the day. Um, and Kevin Costner, of course, because he was very <laughs> progressive um, in Virginia in the uh, 60s, apparently. So he really opened up the uh, women's rights for um, also African American rights, specifically women. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to shit on the movie. It, it's a good movie. It's the movie is really well done. It's very uplifting. Heavy, um, it's very heavy-handed. Actually. Yeah, it is. They they really lean in to. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. Yeah, but. I, I'm not saying the acting was great. Everybody did really well in there. Uh, was Taraji P Henson was really well. Octavia Spencer did great. Janelle Monet. I'm not really sure what value she added outside of she was a woman that you know was an engineer. I was like personally, I know her. Her background as the actual woman she plays, uh, Mary Jackson, was very inspirational. But in the movie, she really didn't bring much to the table. I, so it just, they didn't really do that. It was they more didn't of the character. It was more focus on Taraji yeah. Hanson because um, she was the mathematician um, and was essentially the computer, as they called her, before um, they had the computer. <laughs> so uh, and IBM was over there. So uh, the movie was really good. Um, I, I thought it was entertaining. I liked the cast. But... They really, it was like James said, it was very heavy-handed and tried to. Um, it was very it. in your face. Yeah, but hey, we're we're women. We're African American. We can do what everybody else can do, and I don't disagree with that. I just think that they really made sure that you understood that whole point throughout the whole movie. And there was a scene where uh, Taraji Pants and she um, gets really emotional with uh, Kevin Costner and it kind of tells her what her situation is, and it was very touching. And you really I did feel for run her. Have to the bath. Yeah, it, it got really <laughs> deep, but I also looked at it and said, I don't know if you could really get away with that um, in the scenario that you're in with a bunch of guys, but I completely agree with you. No, no it makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. But again, they, they did play it off as if without those three women, um, nobody would have made it to uh, space. So I still recommend uh, the movie to anybody who's interested in watching, you know, something more wholesome um, and learn about history. Because um, it is a factual part of history, um, and it is pretty inspirational compared to a, a lot of some of the other films that they've done in the past. This one is a bit more uplifting. It isn't as um, dramatic, I'd say. So yeah, I, watch. I, I like the story in it. I, I felt that it could have been told better, but um, I, I enjoyed it. I Again, I, I didn't know about the story either until the, the movie came out. Yeah. Um, but it, it's enjoyable. And like Nabil said, it's, you know, uplifting. Yeah, no, it's a solid film. And even though it's heavy-handed, it's still, at least everybody, it made a lot of money. A lot of people saw it, got nominated for some Academy Awards. Which is yeah, good. Yeah. Which is cool. It didn't win any of them, unfortunately, because, you know, competition's stiff. But at least the benefit of that film is that a lot of people now know the story of these three women. And it's it's one of those nice little, it's like an uplift, that's an uplifting film. It is. Yeah. All right, so that's what we have all been watching this past two weeks here. Uh, we also all jumped in and watched the Studio Ghibli film Castle in the Sky, which I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of information on it. We're just doing a mini review on this. This is part of the ongoing Studio Ghibli Fest that's going on at local theaters right now. Each month they have a film. It all started in June, and it's going all the way till November, one uh, movie each month. We previously talked about Kiki's Delivery Service and... Uh, on a pre-pre-pre-pod, we talked about My Neighbor Totoro. This one is, like I said, Castle in the Sky. And the plot of this film is a young boy and a girl with a magic crystal must race against pirates and foreign agents in a search for a legendary floating castle. 
This was released in 1986 and uh, was once again directed by the legendary Hayao Miyazaki. Um, on top of that, too, I'm pretty sure we all watched the English version because we're super ignorant. So <laughs> it stars Anna Paquin as Sheeta. James Vanderbeek is Pazu. Came back again. I that. know, right? And Mark Hamill is Muska. So just going through here, just a brief one here, guys. What did you guys think overall of the film, uh, Nabil? Um, I thought it was uh, really well done. It was very uh, adventurous. I wasn't used to that seeing the other two films that we saw, um, Kiki's Delivery Service and Totoro. This was a much more action-adventure-themed movie that had you know, pirates, and there was airships, and there was fights all over the place, and just very, cool. very cool-style movie. Because I would say Totoro and Kiki have both been more kids' films. Yeah. Yeah. And even though they both do tell a story, this has been one of the first strict ones that is straight-up an adventure film. Yeah. Which is nice. And one thing I want to let you guys know, too, before we get to Marco's opinion on it, is that this was actually their first film, Studio Ghibli's first uh, official release. I read that, yeah. Um, so Technically, it's the second now, because Nausicaa Valley of the Wind was considered their first, in a way, but came out before they were uh, Studio Ghibli. But um, for a film that came in 1986, I even think, too, the animation here is, is really well done. Yeah. I agree. Um, I liked it as well. So uh, so far, I find it difficult not to like the Studio Ghibli films because they're just they're made so well, man. Yeah. Uh, the story was great. The cinematography again was fantastic, and this the music score. Like again, I, I've mentioned this in a previous pod. I think it's one of our pre pods. But I'm a sucker for musical scores, and if the score follows like the the film, the cinematography well. It, it just really captivates me. And I felt like this movie also did that as for being their first film also and getting all these things to work together. I thought it was great. That shows you how like ahead of their time they were too. The fact that we can watch the movie 31 years later and it's still like a really solid animated film. That just shows you how well, how well made these movies are. Yeah. You could see the, the, the passion in making these films and, how much time it really took and how much attention to detail they put into them. Um, and like uh, Marco was saying about the music, everything just comes together really well. It doesn't seem that one thing is off compared to the other. They all were, everything that's in there is there for a reason and it adds more value to the story that you're watching. From the movies that I've seen from Studio Ghibli, this would be one of my like, top three for sure because oh, wow. of the fact that it's not too... Um, kiddish you know it's not too wholesome mm -hmm. um but it's also not too violent because some of them can get violent and also obscure it's just a really good animated film like anybody could watch this understand it and be into it you know i yeah. do what would you guys say were any cons to the film i would say probably the uh the length of the movie um it does run a little long doesn't it the, yeah there were i think and i know it being their first movie they probably learned this later on but there's there's some scenes that probably could have been edited and be shortened in order to move the story along because it's a really good story and they're they're just i can't really remember off the top of my head all of them but there were some moments where i'm watching and, and i'm thinking they probably could have just i think a lot of the scenes of sky pirates probably could have been shortened out yeah, yeah. And like I, 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 the lead to this castle in the sky yeah it's a little bit too long right and that's part of my con is the exposition because it is still aimed at children they they do a lot of slow build up to a background and then um they kind of just they they don't really 
tighten anything up they just kind of leave it and move on to the exactly. next thing yeah and even at the very end i still had questions did yeah you? i was like that's Man. the same thing it's like so you don't get the full explanation on things that it seems like they were trying to lead up to and just ended if they didn't explain it it'd be a whole different thing but they just try and then stop somewhere so you don't get enough so they keep just yeah. teasing you with it which is what i thought was really odd um especially with the length of the movie the character development too wasn't as as good as some of the, the feature films too I, I didn't really feel an attachment to many of the characters, except with the exception of maybe Pazu, because you you learn a little bit more about his backstory, about you know, his father being uh, a pilot and mm-hmm. and right. finding the city of Laputa, mm-hmm. the, aka the castle in the sky. Yep. Um, and so you you sort of you know can relate to him. He wants to yeah, prove that his father's not a liar. So I, I, I say that's the only real relatable character. Aside from that, everyone else was was forgettable. Yeah. Last thing I'll leave with it too, though, I, I enjoyed the meaning of the movie overall. The movie itself is like a blending of like nature and technology. So like La, La, Laputa? La, Laputa. Laputa, sorry. So it, Laputa represents, it's this castle sky. It, it's like an ideal world, basically, where everything is about nature. And the robots there even protect nature. And the whole thing about this was that the director was showing you that nature and technology can actually coexist with each other, but it's because of man's interference with both things, because like using the robots to destroy is why this thing is impossible yet. Right. But at the end of the movie, something happens where part of the island basically becomes free of something else. I'm not going to spoil anything here. So it shows you in a way that, hey, this could be possible one day, but it's just not quite there. It's not within our reach yet. It's not within our... It could be within our reach, though. Yeah. That's what they're kind of suggesting at the very end of the film. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's our little mini review there of Castle Sky. Any last things on that, guys? Um, I'd say say if you can, try to catch it. It's still playing in theaters, I think, for the uh, Fathom events for Studio Ghibli Film Fest, if I'm not mistaken. This is the last week. Yeah, so, I, I recommend it. Um, I, I wouldn't say, you know, watch it with a, a child that's too young. I'd say maybe someone 12 or older because of some of the violence. Yeah, um, yeah. But aside from that, um, I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody I know. Yeah, solid film. Okay, we're going to jump into our news section now. What's in the News! So we're pretty light on news this week because we are going over two films here. Big one here this last week, we just found out that they are indeed possibly developing a Star Wars Obi-Wan film. Yes. So there isn't any word if Ian McGregor is coming back as Obi-Wan. He played Obi-Wan Kenobi in episodes one, two, and three. But, I mean... That's pretty cool, though. The only thing I could think of... um, is that they would have to do something with episode three and four because anything before the prequels, it's I mean he didn't really have much of anything going on outside of him being you know he was a teenager right. I, I would agree, and I and I'm thinking from most rumors and from people's expectations that that is the best route. I mean, is 19 years between three and four, yeah. and there's a lot of unanswered questions. I mean, for one thing. He's a different man between episodes three and four. That's true. Much different. Man. I wouldn't even say because of the events of episode three, though, change him. Yeah. There, there's that, but but for him to be in in isolation and to, to choose to just stay on, uh, on Tatooine, of course, to watch over Luke, but also a self-proclaimed 
proclaimed uh, uh, isolation, I feel like they they have a lot to work with there, and it would be very interesting to see him develop more into the wise master that he is in episode four. I mean, he really did age 30 years in 19 years. It's really crazy, so I'd like to see how they figure that out. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't know. Regard all jokes aside, I hope it's something like that. That'd be cool. I really hope Ian McGregor's back. I agree. I think he uh, he could do a lot more with that part. Um, and because he's a good actor, he's a great actor, and you get the right director with him, the right scripts. Yeah, it's imagine be a that, Neville. Imagine a Ian McGregor Obi Wan film with with no George Lucas directing him. Plus, he he's mentioned the dialogue itself. It, it would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, he's mentioned that before that he would be interested if they asked him to come back. Yeah. So, he wanted to do the, uh, uh, he, the Force Awakens, if I'm not mistaken. He's like, just waiting for a call. Never got one, of course. <laughs> he technically he was kind did of a yeah. voice, but it didn't really matter. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. Um, our second thing here, too, is we're going to go over something real quick here called Movie Pass. So, Nabil told me about this a couple years back, back when it was $50 a month. Basically, it's a, <laughs> it's a pass where you pay a certain amount of money. And you get to see a movie, a, a non-IMAX, it's basically like a 2D movie, once, one a day for $10 a month right now. Kind of a big deal. And basically how it works is that you've got this card um, you're, that you go and check in or purchase this ticket through their website, through their app, and you'll be able to watch that movie, one movie a day. And $50 a month is a lot of money. So it didn't really take <laughs> off as quickly as it wanted to. But this was like back in 2011. It looks like they've kind of revamped it a little bit and kind of rebranded it to be much cheaper. It's more public now. It's too. much more public. Yeah. Um, they're actually doing an, uh, they're going to actually go public. They're going to offer an IPO um, soon. And yeah. that's going to be uh, this year sometime. So they're really trying to make it mainstream. And they've wow. dropped the prices down to $10 a month. Um, same premise still with the idea of basically thinking that it's going to be like a gym membership. You buy it, $10. You might see a movie, you might not, but hey, you're still paying them because it's it's worth it. Yeah, and I, I got to say too that I know you signed up and I signed up. And my only concern is that I hope that they kind of step their game up, if that makes sense, because their website crashed right after this announcement. Ooh. It was really hard to sign up. If you look at the app, it's not a very streamlined app. On Especially for it, some things, but not for five years, you would have thought they would have done. On something. top of that, I don't think it's actually too user friendly from what we've seen because Nabil and I both have signed up for this, and we're still kind of unsure of like when we get these cards. Supposedly, it's five so, to seven so, days. So they actually send you a physical card. They, so they send you these credit cards, their Mastercards um, or Visas or whatever it is, um, and essentially when you go onto their website to make the purchase of the ticket right and i'm doing air quotes of the purchase because technically you're paid for it what will happen is that when you go to the theater that you checked in and purchased that ticket at you're supposed to use that card to make the physical purchase if i understand it correctly what what we'll do here as well nabil and i after we have these cards we'll have a review of this next say how it works see if it's worth you know using if it's how easy it is yeah we'll we'll recommend if this is something that's user friendly or not because as of right now and then marco will decide whether or not he wants <laughs> to, to use do. it or not yeah especially <laughs> because us three we watch quite a bit of films especially for this podcast so if it was ten dollars a month that'd actually save us Quite a bit. Yeah. I will say that if this works out the way they are premising it should work out, um, it would be really good, I think, for the cinemas because you get 
it's just gotten more expensive to go to the movies, and it's so much easier to just wait till it comes out on Netflix or on TV or whatever else it is. Redbox. Okay. Redbox, yeah. I actually have some numbers on that based off of a Business Insider article um, that actually talked about the service. The average, the U.S. average for a movie ticket uh, is nine dollars. So that's the national average. So, so it, we don't uh, live in the average area, apparently. No, God damn. no. But in areas like in metro areas like New York City. It could be as high as sixteen bucks. Yeah. So I mean, ten dollars a month is a steal when you're thinking that you're buying, you know, twelve dollar, fifteen dollar, sixteen dollar movie tickets. However, the article also mentioned that in places like Omaha or Kansas City, their tickets only go five to six bucks, and that's actually one of the reasons that they decided to lower the price from fifty. To ten dollars, yeah, make it more accessible to everybody. But you got to remember too, the more butts in the seats in the theaters, um, the more likely somebody's going to buy popcorn, buy sodas, candy, and that is where a lot of these cinemas make a lot of money is off of that too. Because I'm going to tell you right now, in the real world, um, six dollars for a small bucket of popcorn (laughs) is not the actual price. No. So, so that's another good reason I think that's going to benefit them if this really takes off. My only question is, wouldn't wouldn't it make more sense that rather than send you a physical card that they they just have you scan something on the app? I think they're having it so you don't have to interact with the theater themselves because there's a lot of pushback from the other theaters. Especially AMC right now does not like this. No, yeah. So yeah. they're trying to make it as uh seamless as possible for nobody to really know but the user that this is happening yeah because from the sound of it Nabil, when you do it on your card yourself you're doing it through their app yeah and you you're actually not interacting or showing this thing to anyone else you just show up with your ticket and you're like thanks yeah and you're, you're, you're you're just buying the ticket and going in they don't think twice about it. interesting so, so like i said the bill and i will have a review for that for our next spot here and we are going to jump into here on our topic of the week it's the topic of the week. Wow. So I have a topic here. It's a little wordy, but I, I got it down to basically what I'm trying to get across. So Marco and Bill, do you guys think like the tradition of waiting for a show to come out every Sunday is slowly dying away outside of Game of Thrones, of course? But eventually that will end too because when the season ends or series ends. But do you think that's disappearing because of streaming services like netflix or hulu releasing entire seasons at a time it's kind of taken away of that anticipation of that coming in to work on monday and talking to your co-workers about did you guys see the latest episode of so-and-so and then like breaking bad when it was coming out that was one of the big ones or i guess back in the day as well uh the sopranos or the wire Dallas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who shot Jesus. Who shot him? But uh, I mean, uh, before you get into that, just, uh, and now because we have streaming services, is this something where because it's up to you to watch those shows and because you have the entire season, people binge watch them and kind of takes away from getting to talk to someone else as they progress through it as well? Is traditional weekly TV dead? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would <laughs> fucking smart. <laughs> Basically, yeah, is traditional TV dying out? I I would I would say I'm thinking more of like the act of like waiting it out and talking to people. Right. You know? No, no, no. no. I, I get what you're saying. I I wouldn't say it's it's dead. I would just say it's outdated and challenged. Um, outdated in the way that um, 
the way they have to write episodes and this is just my take on it like why watch a show that has filler episodes every once in a while through an entire season that spans roughly anywhere from you know three to six months however long your season is when you could stream the whole season on an app or service and the show just flows better and you don't really have to worry about those filler episodes i feel it may it it challenges regular tv because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up this show, and I, I know I'm probably going to get some flack for it, but I don't give a shit. The Walking Dead. Terrible show. The ratings have it's fucking... Become a terrible <laughs> yeah, it's become yeah. a terrible show. I just talked to the book about yeah. it. I was like, you guys notice how that show fucking sucks now? It, 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 it started off as a show where, okay, we have some solid episodes, and next week, fuck, there's a filler episode to where now... Basically, anything between the first episode the and the last or the mid-season, or the mid-season finale, finale yeah. are nothing but filler episodes. Like, fucking nothing happens. And in the meantime, you have shows that release the entire season on a streaming service. And the fact that you can have access to the next episode literally minutes after watching the previous episode makes those filler episodes almost like non-existent so are you saying you prefer it because you guys don't have to talk to someone else about shitty episodes basically you just talk it to as a whole as a season i think it excuses shitty episodes on the streaming service versus watching it yeah that's what i mean like for instance i think i you wouldn't focus on those shitty episodes you would focus on for like let's say you you would focus on the show let's say you and the bill watch stranger things right right and you guys both knocked it out basically you guys would probably focus on the series as a whole season you wouldn't be like oh yeah in episode four it fucking sucked yeah you wouldn't even talk about that probably no exactly think think about when you like you said when you when you watch a whole series or a whole season versus watching it on a weekly basis i i feel it challenges those tv networks and those studios into you guys if you're gonna release a show like that on a weekly basis versus an entire season you have to step up your game or you're obsolete. So you're okay, so you're so saying I feel it challenges it. Because Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, they've all challenged them to do better on a weekly basis then and because they are competing with series that come out as a whole that have pretty have a faster response time that people get to talk about basically because they have the whole season. Yeah. Think of think of network television and what's happened. So um, just, and this just only started happening about 10-15 years ago before you'd have a show and you'd have it every week and you'd be really interested in drama whatever you know comedy whatever it is it's pretty self-contained but it helps prove the story up a little bit right and then for whatever reason episodes started getting se- seasons would get longer they went from 15 to 16 you know season episodes uh, uh, episodes in a season uh, to becoming 22-26 you know uh, episodes and it's really long that's you know that's like three four months of television that you're watching and you're trying to keep your attention then somewhere about 10 years ago they decided to do the mid-season finales where you'd start in the fall you'd watch the two months worth or three months worth of episodes then you'd have a break for four months and then you'd come back right on to it um and that got really popular for a while and then netflix came and changed that whole thing and has now forced these shows that have had these like you guys talking about the, the shitty fillers filler episodes to say hey we can make a whole series we'll give these guys money say do your story for the whole season whatever it needs to be mm-hmm. 
however many episodes you need to be to tell your story, um, and we're going to move on, you know, see if people like it. And now you're seeing in the last four or five years, television, with the exception of a few great ones like Mad Men and Breaking Bad, you know, they're obviously the few gems mm-hmm. um, that always stand out. But besides that, you've got newer shows that are coming out, tighter seasons, really trying to make you watch what happens next instead of just saying, like The Walking Dead, oh, well, last week's episode was crap. Hopefully next week is good, you know. Mm-hmm. It just um, never happens. It just never happens. <laughs> Not, Not anymore. Dead. Not anymore. But other shows like the show that I'm watching, like Fargo, is a good example. Mm-hmm. Or, it's a good show, though. Yeah, Fargo's a great show. Uh, the Americans is another good show on FX. One that I need to catch up on. Mm-hmm. But again, what does it come down to? It comes down on the writing. Right. And it, so you're getting the opportunity that as, as, as a writer, as a director, uh, to be able to really take control of your show. Like, let, let, me, let me posit this. James, you you and I have both started The Defenders. All right, yes. We, the whole series is available on Netflix. Let's pretend that The Defenders was released on a weekly basis. How would the ratings be based on that first episode? It'd be, well, I don't It's Anticipation-wise, it'd be high. Still, regardless, because people have hyped it up. But, I mean, the first one is pretty slow because it's a setup episode. Yep. That, yeah. That also, I think, is because Netflix knows that they're releasing the entire season. It's, they can get away with something like it's, that. Exactly. It, 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 so falling back, though, on my, pre, my my original question, then, do you think then, apparently then, Nabil, do you still think that there is, there are still some good quality shows that people can anticipate? Yeah, I think that and this that, forces network television, forces some of the cable companies to uh, really focus more on quality than quantity mm-hmm. and say that people like this show we're going to give them a great show for 10 12 episodes um and make them want to like game of thrones make you want to see what happens next week instead of saying that this week was a throwaway episode because the writer half the writers are on vacation you know like let, let's let, let's go down a list the americans uh, how many episodes is fargo uh 13 13 fargo Game of Thrones, Legion Even, was another one. Legion, Legion was like Mr. Robot. Mr. These, Robot. These are all hard. shows that are within the 10, 12, 13, probably being like the highest like length of a season, and they work yeah. because they're very concise. They don't require any fillers or that many. Maybe there's one or two tops in there, but as a whole, the show is is so much better because the 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 writing is better, the direction is better. They're being challenged, and I think that, this is my opinion, those networks are doing that because they are being challenged by the streaming services. This works for us as a consumer. Even though there's a lot of noise. Yeah, there's a lot of noise out there. A lot of throwaway shows. Some are, you know, really good. Some of them just are really crappy. But um, it does force to keep your attention, right? That's what everybody wants to do. And I think that... No, I don't think the weekly structure of, of cable television is dead. I think what will happen is you will get less of it. But you think you it's going to eventually evolve, that's why? Yeah, it'll evolve to something um, that's going to be just better quality overall to keep your attention. There'll still be throwaways, of course, um, but the seasons will be shorter and they'll be focusing more on, on keeping your attention each week. I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't guarantee that it will evolve, but I think that it has to evolve. Yeah. Well, last question then. Uh, dealing with this, then I'll give you guys my opinion at the end of this all. What do you guys prefer, though? Do you guys like when it's all season, or do you guys actually like getting an episode at a time? Starting oh. with uh, Marco. Man, that's a tough question. Man, um... Because some people you, think, you, just right off the bat, some people think binge-watching has, like, ruined television. I'll, 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 I'll give you this. I'll give you... I'll give you this. 
I, I enjoy binge watching. I do, I do like it, but obviously um, I do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. You're the strongest proponent. You don't have to say shit for us to know that. Um, but I also know that there are times where I am so busy that I'm grateful for shows like The Americans, like Game of Thrones, like Mr. Robot, where I have a week where I can get my shit done and then prepare for that day to watch that show. Yeah. Or uh, another uh, one of my favorites that we mentioned earlier, Rick and Morty as well, too. I look forward to that show. and I wouldn't even say that I actually prefer Rick and Morty once a week because I would be mad if or saddened to know that I don't have any more Rick and Morty to watch the rest of the year. Yeah. Because it comes out so limited. And, and again, that comes from just great writing yeah. and really pushing themselves to the limits to come out with... The fucking quality episodes. So. Uh, what do you think, Debo? I agree. I think that weekly is is something that shouldn't go away. I do like the option of being able to binge because there are shows that I can't catch because there is so much good television out there. And I want to be able to just say, hey, I need to knock this out and catch up to the next season. <laughs> uh, but I do like that you can... Uh, more specifically, because I remember this, James, when uh, what, you and I didn't start Breaking Bad from the start. We didn't even start Game of Thrones. We didn't. Well, we definitely didn't start Game of Thrones. But I remember that one of the big things that was interesting for us um, was when you started. You started binging Breaking Bad to catch up to it, and then it was you were at the weekly, and I caught up with you, and we were talking about it each week, and it was a topic of conversation um, to look forward to to the next week. I like that, and that's, that was good. That's, that's fun. What I like. That's what I still. I still like things like that, man. But like you said, this has to evolve. I guess. Yeah, it needs. It needs to be a, a good mix of both. Um, I don't think television itself is dead. I think that they need to adapt to the consumer's needs um, and not to what makes them more money each week. Like releasing yeah. a Star Trek show on a app? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Or, but or you get just, to see the first episode, takes, though. You get to see the first episode. Or just not, not, or just not releasing just a bunch of crap that makes you want to revert back to your streaming service and say, you know what, I'm just going to check out shows on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu because what I'm seeing on regular TV is a bunch of crap. So for me, this might shock you guys, but I actually prefer weekly, even though I do binge watch a lot of stuff. I only do that because, like Nabil says, sometimes you want to binge watch a show to catch up to something to the next season. There's a lot. There's some stream services that do release them weekly, though, like yeah. uh, the excellent show Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three that came out last year on oh, Hulu. Oh, that's a good one. That was released weekly. Was that only last year? Wow. Yes, sir. James With James Franco, Franco that's a based great on show. the Stephen King novel. Mm-hmm. And you know we've got our love for Stephen King, but uh, that was released weekly. Uh, it did it where the first two episodes came out. Then every week, one episode a week. Handmaid's Tale weekly. Was that weekly? A, I did not that's know. That's a solid one too. Um, like you guys said, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. They're all great shows. Um, I, I watch all the crappy CW shows. I guess Arrow, Flash, Supergirl. And uh, those, <laughs> those are, are some that need to evolve. Some of those can be binged. Yeah, so those yeah. can be binged. But it is nice because they connect so well together. A lot of times, like overarching stories. That I will. It you is know, nice to watch them weekly. The thing I find so interesting about that when when Netflix first came out is because I hadn't watched The Walking Dead until I came on Netflix, mm-hmm. and you don't really realize it because you watch it week to week. But when you see them all back to back. The fact that they connect so well, I'm like, oh my god, this makes so much sense when you watch it this way. So that's a pretty neat thing, too, when you binge, that you can see how everything really connects um, to each other as well. And some of the bad seasons don't seem so bad when you're just sort of, like, barreling through them. Yeah. 
Yeah, but mm. no, I think you guys agree that it's, it's probably not going to leave. It's not. I don't think it's dying, but it is something where I agree too. It's going to have to evolve. And I like when binge watching works, when it's a good show. Because let's face it, they still have sh- uh, shows they release all that are crappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a couple. like It's like, whoa, what is this all about? But when it works, it, I like to have the option as well because I know I can go back to it anytime to watch it. But I do enjoy uh, weekly. Like I like talking about Game of Thrones every week with you guys and Rick and Morty. And um, yeah, another thing. Good topic. Thanks. Um, leading into it, we're going to talk about now our first movie review here. These aren't going to be as long for each because we don't want to bore you guys, of course. But here is our review for Annabelle Creation. So Annabelle Creation is part of the Conjuring universe of films. So this is technically the fourth Conjuring universe film. A little IMDb info. 12 years after the tragic death of their little girl, a doll maker and his wife welcome a nun and several girls from a shuttered orphanage into their home, soon becoming the target of the doll maker's possessed creation, Annabelle. Man, did they make this all creepy? Like, from the get-go. Yeah, they're like, check it out. Mm. So, um, (laughs) it starts a bunch of people no one knows, basically. (laughs) I'm not even going to jump into that. Like, oh yeah, Anthony LaBarclay? Yeah, I was like, they have him. Samuel Mullins (laughs) plays Samuel Mullins, and Samara Lee plays B. So, Marco, I know you didn't like this movie, so without spoiling anything, why didn't you like it? I felt it was overhyped. Based on what I heard about the reviews and how it was... Very scary. I I could count on maybe three fingers, three or four fingers, how many times I was scared that movie. Um, but what was the level of scaredness for you, though? Is it like, during, ah! Or, ah. <laughs> during the creepy moments, I was like, whoa. I was, I, yeah. On a 1 to 10 scary factor, I'd be, it was like 6 or 7 tops. Uh, I is I'm, it, um, Also, is it because of the area you were in where you were watching it? By which I mean, I was fucking sneezing the entire movie. I apologize. I don't know what happened this day. James wouldn't shut the fuck up throughout the movie, so... I had, like, an allergy attack. I I could not stop, like, having a runny nose. I thought I was going to have to call 911. Every time a scary part would come out, I'd be like... Uh, you think she's gonna kill him? <laughs> no, <laughs> no that, that has nothing to do with it. I, I'm more of a psychological guy. I, oh, yeah. I like when a movie gets in my head and like this is not the fucks kind of with me there. Yeah, and it wasn't that. So, so that's why I didn't like it. it. It wasn't much there. But, but as as much as the the, the visual horror, it was subpar. I. Uh, uh, I wouldn't rate this as the best horror film of all time. If you're trying to bring up the caliber of these movies, they're yeah. not the best. Um, it's better than the prequel, I would say. This, yeah, right off the bat, this is definitely better than the film that came out just called Annabelle. Another, another thing that kind of threw me out was the acting. The, the, the only child actor that was pretty good was uh, the main girl that had uh, polio. She had the leg brace. Uh, Linda? Remember. Yeah, Linda. She was the only one that had great delivery. Her acting was really good. And sadly enough... Sorry, it's not Linda. Linda, Talitha, Linda yeah. Bella Bateman. Is oh, her, okay. The, whoever had the leg brace, that was the winner. Janice. Yeah, that was the winner. And <laughs> sadly enough, 
Uh, Annabelle's mother, who was primarily in bed and probably had three scenes, had better delivery. That in three is played scenes. by Miranda Otto, by the way, who is actually a pretty actress. established actress, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, the nun was probably the most annoying character in the Sister movie. Charlotte, played by Stephanie Sigmund. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll get I'll get into that. We'll later, get that on spoilers. Uh, yeah. Bill, what did you think? I thought it was. Uh, a scary movie to an extent. It definitely had many flaws, um, but for a film that's a part of the Conjuring universe, um, I thought it was one of the better sequels or prequels, however you want to put it. Um, there was a lot of scare factors in there, and um, they really did ramp up the whole ooh creepy music ramping up. I'm gonna the jump scares. They did a lot of those, and some of them lasted a little too long. But uh, overall, I thought it was. Uh, a good horror film yeah no i thought this was a really good movie i really enjoyed this i'm a huge horror fan i like physical horror i like seeing maybe creatures a little bit too much with it where people might get turned off by this film like uh marcos looks it sounds like you're going for more you like psychological horror like you said so this would probably not fit the bill for you Something like this. I, w- I would say anybody that likes maybe like The Grudge or even The Ring or anything. Kind of like the demon style film. Yeah. I mean, that's so fans movies. of The Conjuring of 1 and 2 probably will still enjoy this film. Annabelle is just a very creepy creature monster demon thing. See, The Ring I actually felt... The Ring was actually pretty creepy. I felt that it, it did a better job as far as both the visuals and the psychological there, fear factor. There were creepy it. parts in this film. I felt like DeVille said. There was a lot of jump scares in this one. There's a lot of scenes where a little subtle glimpse of something creeps you out because I, I i'm the type too that probably overthinks these things especially when you see them yeah. and it's like whoa that's I, fucking creepy i don't know how to, i guess the best the best way i could word it is i felt like in like movies like the ring it, it the the horror and the scare factor it felt more natural it didn't feel forced and i felt like in annabelle creation it was, they were really trying to like push it and force it. It didn't I agree. feel natural. I agree that that, that was forced. I'll like, say there's... I, I appreciated some of some of it. And I was like, oh, you could have done this so much better if you had done it a little bit differently. It I'll was say some of them. I'll leave that for our quick little spoiler section too. But I think for the most part, most part, this film works. I think the setting for what they do these a lot of prequels where they're set in like sixties to fifties um, in some backwoods country. You know, I think that actually arrow, but this for this movie, I think it actually works really yeah. well. They do they do a good job capitalizing on that and Very and not too. like overstating it and saying that oh it's back in you know where we didn't have technology and things are were different. It's it's more like this is what's happening. This is how it's happening. We're living with it, and it works well. I think. See, and I I say that was a missed opportunity on their end. I don't feel like they took advantage of that too much because I also agree since there's less technology and because it takes place. Like in 50s, 60s, like that alone could have helped them make it a little bit creepier. But I feel like it. I feel like it works though for the creepy factor. Yeah. For this particular, it's a, it's, it takes place in the countryside at a fairly large house, and it's kind of a farm. I, I don't know. They that, kinda, the house is creepy looking. The house that. is creepy, and so is that little barn, especially what's inside that. And barn. they use the house, which is great. It isn't just like one or two places. Like that whole property is used. Yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. see certain things that you know later on, like that's going to be this, and that's going to be this. That's probably where I think it's a little too heavy on the nose. But let's jump into spoilers because I want to. I want to talk more about what I'm talking about right now. So um, skip ahead. If you don't want to hear about this, go straight to our next review. 
Take a look at the timestamp in the comments. Yeah, we'll have timestamps for it too. Yeah. So, spoilers right now. So, what I'm talking about is like, on the nose is like, you immediately know when Janice is on the little wheelchair thing that goes up the stairs. Yeah. I that's knew where I was about. Like we've seen a lot of movies, I was like, "That's gonna be something that's yeah, not that's gonna work gonna too well." Fucking die on that thing. Uh, or... The scarecrow. Yep. Yeah. I was like, knows. "That's something." Um, the fucking room. Like, don't go in the room. I'm like, she's going in the room. And, and that, <laughs> that's what that's what I'm talking about. Where those were missed opportunities. Where if they let that happen more naturally, where it just comes out of nowhere, like it was, it was good idea, poor delivery. And that's what threw me off. Uh, and w- another thing with, with with the acting as well too is w- one of the things that makes uh, I'm gonna throw this movie out there. Not not everyone likes this movie, but Paranormal Activity or even a movie like The Exorcist, which, which I felt like this movie is kind of in that realm in the realm of The Exorcist because they both have to deal with maybe demons. demonic wise, yeah, level wise, no. But, but I would say yeah, The Exorcist but, is. The prime example of right. a horror film. But here's the, here's the thing, is when people are talking, they're having like a natural conversation like you and I are. They're not talking about what's going on, and that's what makes it creepy because it's very unexpected. So so when something happens, it's a shock factor and it's scary because no one was talking about it. It just sort of happens. And Wouldn't you like, say, though, it's also because they're in a much smaller area. The setting is all in this house. Like, they have nothing else to talk about, man. Yeah, that's all like, they Like, shit's going down. They're like, hey, did you see that shit last night? And the girl's like, yep. And The Exorcist has way bigger. It's got the church involved. It's got the priest. It's got all of fucking New York City, right? Or Chicago. Wherever it takes place. Which which brings me to my next point, though, is like, okay, they're, they're talking about it, but the the one I got do ex machina that they use is the whole nobody believes the girl thing. And the thing is, is she's trying to talk about a demonic presence to a nun who knows that this stuff exists. And in rather than the nun listen to what the girl has to say, she focuses more on, oh, you weren't supposed to be there, so... We're not going to discuss what you saw. That's almost like witnessing a crime in an area where you weren't supposed to be. And (laughs) the person's not listening to the part where you say there was a crime there. And they're focusing more on you weren't supposed to be there. I think it's... She's got polio. Yeah, she has polio. (laughs) No. I think it's more that she goes and talks to... Yeah, she's she's confiding into her peers and and to the, the, the nun. But at the same time... They are trying to make the best of the situation they're in, and that's probably also the reason why they don't want to believe her, because they think that, oh, she just misses home. Now, you notice, nobody ever talks to the father, you know, the owner of the house, or the wife. She actually does she bring up the doll, actually, and he actually is like, what do you mean a doll? And yeah, flashes and so, on her. But that's it. So Because he, he knows about he knows the doll. So, that. actually, there is a character that does believe. And that's the thing. So, that's the only time that it happens, because he's experienced it. He knows what's going on. And yes, they could have drawn more from him and made him more involved or maybe extended that story a little bit. But the whole thing is that you're a child. You don't know what's going on. Stop. You know, you're complaining about life. I think jumping on that, too. I think they're trying to show that he's like really distant toward children, too, because because he lost his child. And also that's why he doesn't quite open up to them. Yeah, but I think it would have been better if if the whole thing was based on the fact that they believe her, they're aware that this thing is there, and the scary part is that it is very hard to stop. See, but... And what actually happens is it was actually pretty freaking easy to defeat the demon because all they had to do was 
you know, bless the room, show Bible scriptures, anything holy, and it would keep it at bay. But there was nobody but the, there But to the do challenge that. was, but the challenge yeah. was that no one was listening to what was going but on. But nobody could have done that either. You saw what they showed at the end that he had, you know, he had a clergy from the church, he had a priest. They, they were all, all doing was, everything. Yeah, and, and also on top talk. of that, if everyone believed him, we wouldn't have a movie. Well, there's that true. It'd be no, like that brings like, it back to the exorcist credits. Yeah. Nope. Like, All right, there you go. No, because then that brings it back to movies See, like but the, the exorcist where everyone believes it, but the problem is is not that no one believes See, but it. That's, it's that they can't that's stop. That's the it. focus of the exorcist film. Is that it's a fight of like religion and faith versus a demon. They're doing an exorcism on a little girl. The Conjuring films are not about that. No, I know. I'm so, not. I'm not talking about that. Tone just... wise, it follows very closely to the Conjuring one and two. It even follows closely to the shitty Annabelle film that came out before this, which I know, Marco, you did not see. No. So maybe because we already had the bar set so fucking low, me and Nabil were like, "That's pretty good." Because if you hate this movie, you would freaking destroy <laughs> You'd it. About but... Ten minutes into the other one, and be like, "What is this?" I'd be like, "This is right." It, bro. But. What I'm saying is not to be a carbon copy of The Exorcist, but it's scarier when you can't stop something, when there's an unstoppable force, when there is... Well, I think they that you can't stop it. I mean, people died in this movie. There was kids possessed. Like, there was no positive outcome here for anybody. Um, they, no. Everybody who, who was affected by this thing was harmed in some way or dead. Um, and they couldn't they stop it. They don't even technically defeat her. Right. They were, once she was released, I mean, that was it. All Bitch goes flying out of there, man. <laughs> I will tell you this, though. Um, the, the, but the only reason it didn't get stopped is because nobody believed her, and that's why she took possess. That's why the demon took possession of Janice's body, and that's how it was able to but escape. But they me. all believed her at the end there. Yeah. They're like, some shit's going to escape. Hey, it's a little too late. It escaped. Yeah, but I mean, it room. goes against what you're saying that, you know, that they'd never believed. They, at the end, like... Once they saw it. The story arc is that, yeah, they don't believe her, but then about midway through, the priest and Linda, the other girl, she believes Linda as yeah. soon as she tries to throw her down the well. And from that point going forward, they realize, like, hey, we got to stop this thing. And then that's when, you know, on and on and on plot-wise... There is a lot of tense moments that I did like. It's yeah. just that I, I think film-wise, they do overplay a lot of the old tropes. And but I think that the tense moments. I mean, I I remember watching the film like cringing, like oh, I know something's about to happen. I don't want it to happen, and it happens. Like God dang it, you know, it scared the hell out of me. Um, so that happened a lot. Marco said there's there's a lot to desire in this film. I wouldn't ever compare it to Exorcist or anything, but I feel like it's a pretty solid horror film for the summer. Yeah, out of the ones that, that are out so far. They use a lot of practical effects yeah. still. There is some CG, obviously, but... Yeah. If you're a huge, huge fan of horror, I, I recommend it for you. If you're a skeptic and you, you have a certain taste for certain horror movies, then maybe it's it's 50-50 whether you like this movie, but... Um, I'd say it's a solid rent if that's where you yeah. stand. But outside of that, if you're a horror fan, I would definitely check it out while it's still in theaters. Yeah, same. All right, so that's our review of Annabelle. So we're going to jump now into our final review here of The Hitman's Bodyguard. Alright, so a quick little summary of The Hitman's Bodyguard here, guys. The Hitman's Bodyguard is directed by Patrick Hughes. It's the world's top bodyguard gets a new client, a hitman who must testify at the International Court of Justice. They must put their differences aside and work together to make it to the trial on time. We have, um, of course, Ryan Reynolds. Starring as Michael Bryce. And then we have Samuel L. Jackson playing the hitman. 
it's escaping me what his name is right now. Samuel L. But uh, it's an action comedy. His name is Darius Kincaid, by the way. Kincaid, that's what, yeah, what I mean. technically his name. It's kind of a homage a lot, I think, to old 90s and 80s buddy films. I think that's what they're aiming for. But uh, let's start it with you, Nibble. What did you... Did you like or dislike this movie? I liked this movie a lot, a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds playing off of each other, <laughs> hilarious. They do really well, annoying the hell out of each other. Um, Salma Hayek was a great surprise as well. Um, she was really funny in this movie. Um, and I liked the fact that it was set in Europe and that it was kind of like, uh, we have to go across across the, con- uh, across the continent to get to where we need to go. Um, the, the plot as a whole pretty ridiculous like <laughs> there's other ways to approach this uh but it's really the stars uh the, just their wit and their banter going back and forth which really made the movie i think uh what'd you think marco i really liked it too it was a fun movie um ryan reynolds and samuel jackson just killed it uh i, I kept laughing so hard during the movie because they were just on fire um i i can't remember the last time samuel jackson was this funny in a movie because he's been doing like a whole bunch of other stuff but i agree with james saying that it's it's kind of like homage to like 90s 80s action like buddy movies um i kind of like that as well uh salma hayek uh i kind of disagree with you there nabil she kind of threw me off a little bit really she was really annoying the yeah the (laughs) delivery of her lines was so in your face like she was trying to force herself to be funny and I was like, they could have casted someone else as her character. I thought her, and especially when she had the scenes with uh, Sam Jackson, that they played off so well with each other because it's just so ridiculous. Like, it's just stupid, essentially what they're doing. And it, I thought that was what made it even funnier, is that she's, yeah, she's trying, but at the same time, Sam Jackson being able to riff off of anybody in that movie was just hilarious. Now, if he's going off around Reynolds or, um, or Simon Hayek, it was just always funny to me. You, you, I could, I don't know, I could picture someone else like playing that role. I know she would probably never do this role, but for some reason I pictured um, the actress from Modern Family replacing Salma Hayek for that role. I felt like she the probably... Mother? Yeah, I felt like she probably would have... Uh, oh, you're talking about Sofia Vergara? Yeah, I um, felt like she probably could have played that role I feel like better. she'd be all, just, just as bad as yeah, you Yeah, but... I, it's I, a pretty I, weak role. Yeah, it, it, it was is. an add-on role. Uh, it is, but it just him. sort of like th- it threw me off. Uh, but that was just uh, the only thing, aside from the plot being like ice thin, like <laughs> and very ridiculous. Uh, but I mean, that was the whole point of this movie. It's it's a it's a fun film. So yeah, I liked it. What about you, James? Um, it's okay. <laughs> I'm glad we saw it for free. Like we yeah, didn't we pay. Did. We did disclaimer: we we all three got to see an advanced screening of this film. So uh, we got in for free and um, saw it actually a week early. The movie tries a little too hard, I think, at times. Like, I liked Ryan Reynolds and I like Samuel Jackson. They're not bad, but I'd say even, like, the first 30 minutes of this movie are kind of slow. The build-up, outside of the first five minutes, like, getting to the plot, and then everything's kind of thrown at you from that point. We don't really discover anything on our own. It's always just like... Yeah, it's in your face. They just give it to you. It's they don't have to really work straight for up it. in your face. Yeah. Like, I don't know. A lot of the jokes are forced, and seeing it two weeks ago now, I it's hard for me to remember this movie. To tell you the truth, it's pretty forgettable to me. Like, I'm not. This is not one of those films where like 
six or seven months down the line, I'd be like, man, have you guys seen the Hitman's Bodyguard? That's like hella funny. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's like. I think yeah, well, movies, I would... it's just it, it. It's a nice popcorn flick. It's yeah, one, it's a solid rental at most. I think I'd say if it's a, if you're looking, if you see a lot of movies and you're just like don't know what to watch or there's you're a little fatigued at seeing a bunch of you know epic films or super dramatic, like just go and see this film. You'll get a lot of laughs out of it. It's it's fun. I think adventure wise, it's it's funnier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, and much more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Um, but um, it, I think it's for a, for a summer movie, especially at the end of it, there haven't been that many great films in August. Um, this would be a good one to just you know numb yourself and watch if that's what you're trying to look for. Yeah, I, I agree. It's one of the, it's one of those movies where it's everything that I expected. Where you just go in, you turn off your brain, and you just enjoy the ride. That's it. it it's not one of those where you like recommend to your friends and say it's fucking epic. Go watch this film like right now. No, like James was saying, it's like a, a rental at best. Like you could stream it if it's streaming somewhere. I was like streaming it better than even renting. Yeah, you got, yeah. yeah. If you got that movie pass card we're talking about. Yeah. This is probably be the prime suspect to start out with. <laughs> I'd say for me, it's just like there's a lot of randomness, man. Like Gary Oldman plays a bad guy, and I think that could have been anybody but him. Oh, the bad the villains. I will say the is villains. weakest part of the movie. Yeah. Really. There's even a subplot with like the police chief being a bad or the Interpol guy being a bad guy, which yeah. is you know he, he talk about no '90s throwbacks. I, like, I, I think uh, I think James and I were even uh, telling each other, did, did Gary he, Gary Oldman should he even be no, in I this movie? So. Yeah, like three different times. I was like, once again, what is he doing in this film? Like he's a better actor. than He this, disappears man. for three fourths of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it shows up like, hey, <laughs> did you forget about me? It could and, be any generic guy in that movie. The villain. One and other it, one other complaint is that at some at some points it gets a little too serious, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa you guys got to run almost, that movie. Yeah, more. I'd say it goes away from the tone. Like, okay, are we trying to be really goofy here? Or are we trying to come back to a more serious tone? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Excuse me. The action is really well done in this movie. That's what I was mostly surprised by about how violent this film is. It's rated R, and they use that rating to the max on this, but. It also runs almost 20 minutes too long, I think. Yeah, it's a bit long. It could have been tighter. They fucking Return mm-hmm. of the King did on us. Like, I thought it ended. <laughs> I literally thought it ended. I was like, cool, it's done. And then I was like, wait, wait, there's more? Oh, shit. I was like, sit back down, Marco. What are you yeah. doing? The last scene, last scene is way longer than you expected to be. And it just also, keeps going. super anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'll yeah. give it that. It okay, ends. real quick it here. We're going to jump into spoilers just to talk about this scene and one other thing real quick here. So, once again... Look at our timestamps. Stop listening to us. Yep, going right. Spoilers right now. All right, so the spoiler section here. I would say, okay, just talking about the last scene here because I didn't want to ruin it for everyone. Uh, before I get into that, actually, the on the noseness of this movie is kind of like how everything just seems to just work out too well. I guess how he's just like, oh, that was the assassin. Like Ryan Reynolds was talking about how. Assass- uh, one of his clients gets assassinated and he blamed his ex-girlfriend and that's what it's went down a path of he blamed Electra. and then Samuel Jackson's like no motherfucker it was me and I was like yeah. oh that's great of course but it's almost like you knew yeah, yeah. right it, 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 they did that on purpose and I mean like this is not a movie where you're supposed to sit back and like really think it's like well, who, who did it it's no, it's well, very, it could be a face. smart comedy, and this is not a smart comedy. It's not smart. No, it's, it's definitely not smart. They comedy. really played off of the comedians. They played off of Ryan Reynolds, like, Sam Jackson, just built a story around them. Like I didn't yeah. like the scene. I didn't even like the scene where Ryan Reynolds first meets Samuel Jackson. Well, technically first, I'm doing air quotes here too. And it's like, were, were we supposed to know they had a background with each other? 
Like, he sees him as like, you, and then out of nowhere, I'm like, I have no context of why the fuck you don't like this yeah, guy. That was, was kind of random. Actually, was, it, it I was, was like, were we missing a scene? <laughs> yeah. You're like, was there a previous scene I did not see here? Because I don't think these guys even know each other, right? Then yeah, they just start fighting. It's I like, did find that questionable. And that's where you just jump in like, okay, I guess. However, one of the, and I'm kind of jumping back and forth here all over this film, but kind of like the plot of this film. But um, <laughs> one of the one of the funniest moments, though, I got I gotta say, is when they <laughs> they they steal that small little car from the garage, and yeah, then they're they're, they're, yeah. they're flying out, and then just immediately fucking <laughs> crash. Where you think they're doing this epic, like flying through the air, and they're just gonna, like gonna go complete their mission or whatever. That is the but, funniest. But well, it doesn't, funny. and they just fucking crash. That one, and also even though you saw this in the trailer. When Ryan Reynolds just fucking crashes through the fucking windshield, like, yeah. it was just <laughs> that's, so fucking. The strangest well thing is that that's like the scene that sticks out the most for me that I remember. Yeah, and that's why I was like, yeah, it's a, it's an okay one. They try to go for that buddy feel to it. There wasn't I, that feeling of a buddy. I don't ever feel like they're even friends at the no, end. Did really. you guys get that feeling? No, there was no resolution. I think between their, I mean, they tried to make a resolution, but there really wasn't. Um, I like the whole idea of them hating each other and just working with each other because they have to, per se. Um, air quotes again. There's like the biggest plot hole. The, the uh, Gary Oldman escape scene was also just pretty fucking ridiculous. Especially at, the at end that too. end, yeah. That I was like, what no the sense. fuck is going like, what on was here? Your out? You gotta you think the whole there? film... Why like, did he even show up to the trial yeah. thing? Why the fuck are they even driving the whole way there? Alright. Well, going to take three plane, different planes and be like, hey, he's in one of them. Uh-huh. Yep. And, and but once again, just like Annabelle, and credit. <laughs> we would have a fucking movie. It's but, uh, it's not it's not a perfect who movie. Would, okay, then who would you recommend this to then? I would recommend this to just like what Nabil is was saying, if if you're looking for just a fun film, you're not looking for anything epic, extravagant, uh you just wanna just turn your brain off and just enjoy the movie for what it is. That that's why I recommend this movie. It's too. it's like it, I almost kind of look at it like almost a, what's it like? like the other guys, but not as funny. Mm. Yeah, I, I was gonna say action, that, but yeah. more actiony. It's like Sam Jackson and The Rock's uh, character in the other guys. <laughs> yeah, is that movie just all action and they hate each other? Yeah. Um. So who I'd recommend this to? It'd probably be this is a popcorn flick. If you have a free ticket on your Regal Club card. If you have a movie pass, if you have a Chinese friend that downloaded this. If it's Tuesday night and you got nothing better to do. If you don't want to watch Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want a film that desperately tries to be Lethal Weapon 3, then yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Give or it a like look. Lethal Weapon 4. 4. I was going to say. <laughs> no, they're not, they're not old enough for 4. That's when they're like, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> um, no, but re- truthfully, like recommendation-wise, it's going to be one of those films where... If you're looking for a movie where, like Marco said, turn your head off, just take a look. It's got pretty good action. I really like the action. The f- comedy, which is sometimes forced, I'd say is actually not bad. Because Samuel Jackson and uh, Ryan Reynolds do have a pretty good chemistry working off each other. Um, it's going to be for people just kind of like that dumb action film, basically. Yeah. It's going to be a film you see in a year. Happen to be on a Netflix queue. Just it's on the stream. Or like, hey, I'll watch this. Why not? And it'll be worth a watch. But then you forget about it. Yeah, it might even be a movie a year from now. You're like, I've never heard of this movie. Yep. Let me yep. check it out. So, hey, to each his own. So those are our reviews there for Animal Creation and the Hitman's Bodyguard. 
uh, we're going to wrap up our show here. Thanks for everybody for listening. Once again, uh, we definitely are getting a lot more people listening outside of our friends now. So we do appreciate everything that's going on. Uh, we appreciate the feedback, any response. Please leave reviews for us as well. We're on every medium pretty much. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music. SoundCloud is our, one of our main ones as well. Or if you want to just leave us a recommendation for a topic, something you'd like to hear us discuss, we're open to suggestions and we'll give you a shout out. A uh, couple little quick announcements too here. We did actually have a local sponsor we're going to be having. We'll announce that on our next pod. That's uh, pretty cool. Some big stuff happening there. Um, Moving up in the world here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Audio-wise, we're still messing with it. I know a couple of you guys have directly talked to me about Fixing it. I think we actually fixed it today. Well, let us know. If <laughs> let us know. I'm sure you'll tell James. Um, on top of that as well, we are getting a two-mic setup on our next pod. We will definitely have that set up. Yes. So um, I think you guys are also going to see an improvement in our audio even more so on that. Uh, our next review here is going to be actually, it's going to be kind of a flashback review. Not kind of, it is a flashback review. We're going to be going over the original TV movie, It. The one that uh, made me afraid of clowns. Yeah, yeah, the totally one that made true. everyone afraid of clowns, yeah. I think. <laughs> and we're also going to be reviewing the movie Blade Runner. Also the, one of my most favorite films ever. <laughs> it's going to be the oh. final cut because they made about seven or eight versions of this movie. <laughs> this is in anticipation of the new It film coming out uh, in October. September. September, I'm sorry. September coming up and also the new Blade Runner film. Oh, I can't wait. So we're actually setting this up so that we give you guys a heads up on the original slash older versions of them and then... Um, you'll get a review as well on the newer ones down the line. So that's uh, everything for this episode of the Movie Pals Podcast with James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one.